Welcome to The How of Business with your host, Henry Lopez, the podcast that helps you start, run, and grow your small business. And now, here is your host. Welcome to this episode of The How of Business. This is Henry Lopez, and my guest co-host today is David Begin. David, welcome to this episode. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Henry. It's always an honor and a privilege to be part of your podcast. Thank you. I appreciate you coming back on and helping me on this topic. On, on this episode, David and I are going to discuss the topic of collaborative creativity and leading high-performing teams. And we'll go at it, obviously, from the perspective of us as business partners, business owners, and our corporate management experiences, especially uh, leading and being part of uh, high-performing sales teams. So this is a topic that, that I have a lot of passion about and I give a lot of thought to. So that's what we're going to dive into on this topic. So it applies to whether you're starting a business or have already started a business. It's a topic I think you, you will get some uh, enjoyment out of and, and maybe give you some food for thought. To receive more information about the How of Business, including links to the show notes page for this episode and how you can continue to support my show and receive exclusive content and discounts through a Patreon membership, please visit thehowofbusiness.com. And I want to take a moment to thank a few of our listeners who I've had the opportunity to speak with recently, including Natasha in Miami, Angela in Santa Cruz, and Dragos, who recently joined my patron membership program. And Dragos is in Germany. Thanks to all of you for listening and for reaching out to schedule a free coaching consultation. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm super excited that you're a member of Patreon now, Henry. I think it's great. I think if you really enjoyed this podcast over the years, it's been four or five years. You just recently signed up with Patreon, but if you've got any value from these podcasts, which I'm sure you have, there's been tens of thousands of listeners that have enjoyed Henry's podcast. You know, go to Patreon.com/slash The How of Business, and you can support Henry and support his work. So. It's, uh, it costs a lot of money to produce these podcasts. And um, if you want to help Henry out a little bit, that'd be a great way to do it. Thanks. Thanks for those words. I appreciate that, David. All right. Let's dive into this topic that I, you and I, you and I talk about this often, creativity, the creative process. We're both fascinated by it. And, and in particular, I really enjoy consuming documentaries on Netflix and other platforms about the creative process. Usually they're about the creative process in the artistic world, like the music industry or other arts, but, but it so much applies because I believe that when you create a business, when you start a business, it is a creative expression to a big extent, at least that's the way I look at it. So that's why I thought I'd have a conversation about this and, and how does this magical thing work because that's what I think happens sometimes. Sometimes you just get magic in a group. We see that again personified in, in sports, for example, where a team will come together and, and have tremendous results. And then at the same time, by the same token, with that same analogy, it doesn't last as long as we hope it would. So it's, it's a real uh, thing that doesn't that kind of goes away after a period of time. So I want to explore that. But let me start by by defining what or give you a definition of collaborative creativity that I found online that I thought at least will get us started, David. And it is the process of working with others to accomplish a shared goal in an innovative way. Working on projects independently, conversely, can limit the amount of feedback you receive during the creative process 
leaving out other perspectives. And we'll come back and touch on that last part, because with all of the remote work that we have all been doing, uh, exacerbated, obviously, by COVID, I, I want to have a discussion as to how that impacts collaborative creativity. Yeah, I would agree. And I think it's a lot more challenging to develop collaborative creativity, because you can be creative on your own and it doesn't take a lot of effort, but if you're working with other people, it takes a higher level of effort to make sure the team is working together. And I, I think it's a lot more challenging when you're building a business or you're building a team to get everybody on the same page. Yeah. And so what I've observed in life and in thinking about this and studying is that uh, other than creative geniuses, people who are geniuses and therefore tend to produce historically on their own, for most of us, and especially for us leading a business or leading creative people that might be part of our businesses or in partnership, as we will explore, then that I think has been proven. And you see example and example of it works best when you collaborate with other people. And there's a lot of components to it, but that seems to be better. It seems to produce better results than going off on your own. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, most of us are not Albert Einstein's and, you know, Thomas Edison, Edison's yeah, and, exactly. you know, guys, yeah. guys like that are Tesla, Tesla, you know, yep, yep, was, exactly. was with another example where that guy couldn't have, you know, worked with other people. He no. had to work by himself because he was such a genius, but 99.9% .9 of the rest of us don't have those genius genes like that. So in order for us to really create something that's really cool, we've got to work with other people. Yeah. And as this relates to business or, or other group environments, where I think it applies, I've kind of listed here different, different ways that it applies that I want us to, to touch on, but leading a sales team is a perfect example. And you and I, you've done it more than I have, have been part of and led sales teams at different levels. And so your business might have a sales team or it might be a sales team of one, but, but nonetheless, when we're talking about collaborating, there might be multiple people, uh, a development team. So you might lead in your business or have in your business, a group of people that are developing something could be a product, mm -hmm. could be a software solution or just other high performing teams. So that's one area that I think this comes into play and that we need to be aware of as business owners. Because our role, one of our roles as leader, whether we're part of those teams or not directly, we need to be able to foster and, and allow that to happen within our businesses, right? That's right. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with that. And I think, you know, if you, as you were saying that, Henry, I was thinking about, you know, we've been members of many, many teams, but only a few would we probably consider to be high-performing teams. Yeah. You know, so it's 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 like lightning will strike in a certain situation, but it doesn't always happen. Yes. And and we, we remember, you know, you and I can both immediately remember those teams and, and how we felt being part of them and what was produced. So as business owners, we're we can again can be part of those teams. We might be a member of that team, maybe as partners. And I'll we'll explore that in a moment. But but also that's that's when you get your team to perform and deliver magic to create something that is truly truly different that maybe might revolutionize a market or might just put you in a position to be able to to, to differentiate yourself significantly or to to get to market first or whatever the situation might be depending on your business but let's explore it a little bit as business partners I yeah think you and i both consider ourselves pretty creative people but let's talk about that dynamic because it has its challenges and its benefits. 
Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. You know, I think uh, from a business partner standpoint, you know, you and I brought different things to the table. And I think we appreciated what I appreciated what you brought, you appreciated what I brought. And I think that made a big difference in us working together to create what we were doing. And, you know, I think if you're going to go into partnership with somebody, it's really important that you guys complement each other. But you got to appreciate the fact that, you know, you brought a whole set of skill sets that I wasn't very good at. And hopefully I brought a set of skill sets that maybe you weren't great at. But we appreciated each other, what we brought to the table. Yeah, I explored this. uh, I think both of us explored it on episode 259 about business partnerships. Um, And I think the same fundamentals that apply to a successful partnership apply here, which is at the at the root of it, as I identify it, it's trust and respect. And so you have to go into that relationship, especially when we're talking about collaborating on creativity, go into it with that mindset. Otherwise, it's going to be a clash. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But I think the big important part of this, I think you're going to bring up in a little bit is you have to have a shared vision of where you're going. And if the partners or the people on the team don't have a, a clear vision and a shared vision, and if they don't buy into the vision, I think it becomes pretty difficult for people to be on a high-performing team. Agreed, agreed. That is a key point, and we'll come back to it, like you said, but it's such an important integral component. So if that's to me, that's maybe one of the key first key takeaways, David, as a business owner. If your role, whether you are directly in the team or not, but your responsibility to foster that, the biggest mission up front is, is everybody clear on what our vision is here, what our goals are. Everybody has to be on alignment on that. Otherwise, it's not going to produce like you would hope it would. Yeah, yeah. And if we go back to the frozen yogurt business that you and I were involved in, we both could, off the top of our head, say, what was our vision, right? Which yes. was create a what? Create, create a great environment for families to create uh, lasting memories in, right? That's right. That's right. And create a remarkable experience. Create for a remarkable people. experience. Exactly. You know, so we, we, we were very clear on what that vision was. We both agreed to what that vision was going to be. So that everything else we did falled underneath those, you know, those concepts. So the other environment that facilitates this, uh, then you're seeing it more and more is business incubators or accelerators, particularly the incubators. And again, the difference between those two things is an incubator usually is where people are launching their businesses. And so they're coming together to leverage some of this collaborative creativity. So there's, there's a lot of that. They have the different people with different companies that they're starting and maybe they're cooperating, maybe they're competing, but nonetheless, there's a lot of collaboration that goes on. You know, Steve Jobs talked a lot about this, about very strategically placing the, the bathrooms and those kind of things in places in the corporate campus where people would quote unquote, accidentally run into each other and converse and how mm-hmm. powerful that was. So that's what the incubators and accelerators, accelerators facilitate. And the reason I bring that up is you, your business might not be in one of those, but think about the benefits that those environments bring and perhaps creating some of those same mm-hmm. components in your business environment. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And I think that brings up the point of, you know, what we're doing with working from home nowadays and now doing a hybrid model and the advantages and disadvantages, but that being able to run into people and have conversations, I think is critical to people, you know, creating great things. And it's going to be interesting to see if corporate America or businesses in general 
you know, lose some of that because they're offering hybrid work and working from home environments. You know, there's there's nothing that substitutes, you know, talking to people face to face and, you know, talking about how we complement each other. I mean, I'm a person that loves being involved with other people. And, and since since I sold my businesses, I work primarily from home. And as we talked about, it's frustrating for me because I, I like being around lots of people where you, you know, can work from home and get a lot of things done. You're very yep. productive when you're by yourself. Um, so it's just going to be interesting to see how that plays out in the future. Very interesting. I, I think it is a, a key dynamic that um, we're going to see more and more written and spoken about. And and listen, the, the the a lot of the larger creative organizations know this is an issue already, right? So this isn't we're not discovering anything new. That this is a an issue. It's just a matter of balancing with with the at the same time creative and high performing people love that flexibility, and so I think we're trying to figure out how do we arrive back at a better equilibrium between those two things. That's correct. Yeah. Agreed. So let's talk about skunk works. And I figured this topic would excite you because you know, probably more about this than I do having that, that passion for military background and all things aviation, but you probably knew already. I did a little bit of research, but you already knew where that term came from. I suspect. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it was really interesting. So Lockheed Martin, as you bring up in the article talks about, you know, they had to come up with a new radical design of a couple different aircraft. And what was interesting is Lockheed Martin realized that they couldn't build that within their existing structure. So they sent them off to a, a secret location in California to develop this skunk works and Kelly Johnson was in charge of that project. And they said, Kelly, you got to go build this type of airplane, go design and build us this airplane. But they had to do it outside the framework of Lockheed Martin. And I think it was really wise of the Lockheed Martin senior management team to say, we can't do that within our current environment. And, and a lot of the reasons were that at that time, that was a huge corporation, all of the different layers, all of the red tape, all of the forms, all of the processes, all of the meetings, all of the different things that had to happen for something to get approved, a part, a yeah. design, a, you know, documents and, and pl- pr- plans. And it just it was just suffocating and made it impossible to develop anything in any kind of a short period of time. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So it was really smart on their part. They, they picked the right guy. Kelly Johnson, who can get it, he was a get it done type of guy. He was a guy who was always going around people anyway. So they said, why don't you just be in charge of this Skunk Works project? And, you know, they built two incredible aircraft. They built the U-2 spy plane and they built the SR-71 spy plane, which replaced the U-2. And they were such revolutionary aircraft that if they weren't in that type of environment, they would have probably never, ever been, been built. Yeah, fascinating topic. I'm going to include a link to an Inc. Inc. magazine article on this topic. It's obviously very abbreviated. So for those of you who are fascinated by this topic, like David is, can can read a lot more about it. But I'll have a link to this particular article on the show notes page for this episode at thehowabusiness.com. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, you know, other organizations now talk, you know, like you said, they use the language skunk work. So let's create a skunk works project. They probably don't execute it quite like they want to many times, but, you know, Lockheed Martin is a great example of really doing that and coming up with a couple of really incredible products. 
So to that point, as a small business owner, what are some of the key takeaways here? That's what I want to talk about. You know, in this article, it summarized seven of his of Kelly Johnson's rules for these skunk work uh, projects. And not all of them apply to small business, but I want to chat about a couple of them that do. But is there something that comes to mind for you right off the bat that I can take from that and apply to a small business environment? Yeah, I, I really believe that a good manager, a good owner, a good team leader must be a, an effective buffer. Yeah, I think, you know, anybody who's put in a position of leadership or management needs to do two things. They need to buffer from what the organization is doing so their team can get things done. Plus, they've got to take the friction out of the process for their team. Mm -hmm. So they've got to be able to, you know, take out all the things that make it difficult for those people to get their job done. And I'll give you an example in the car wash business. Mm -hmm. You know, we would do an ugly job, which would be shovel the 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 pit or the trench. So every week you had to clean all the mud out, right? That came off all the cars. Nobody wants well, to do that. <laughs> yeah, nobody wants to do that. But I, I walked in there one morning at six o'clock and saw that everybody had shovels that were old shovels, the handles were broken, you know? And it was just like, why are we having these people do this incredibly difficult job with tools that don't work? And so I ran down to Home Depot, bought five new shovels for everybody and said, I don't want to ever catch anybody using a bad shovel again. I want you to use, you know, a shovel that has a proper handle on it and has a proper scoop on it. That's not worn out. And, you know, it made them happy because I went and got them the tools they needed to do their job. Right. So taking the friction out of, out of a job, out of a very difficult job as a business leader, as an owner, what can you do to make their job as easy as possible? Understanding it's a very difficult job. Wonderful. That's a great example. Yeah. There's a, a good quote in this article of Kelly Johnson. I want to read this. Uh, Kelly said, quote, there is a tendency today. Now this was talking, this was, uh, what would have been this time frame in the 60s? Probably the 1950s. David? 50s, 60s. Yeah, yeah. 50s. Yeah. So, so it's interesting because it, it's so relevant to today, but again, quote, there is a tendency today, which I hate to see toward design by committee reviews and recommendations, conferences and consultations by those not directly doing the job. Nothing very stupid will result, but nothing brilliant either. That's end right. Quote. I love that last sentence in particular. Yeah. yeah, and I agree. And if you think about the two aircraft they built, um, they were revolutionary aircraft. They had never been done before, right? So there was no way, and, and, and that was the brilliant thing about Lockheed Martin realizing we can't design the type of aircraft that the Air Force wants us to build in our current environment. So they they broke all the rules, which was really, you know, kudos to them. Yeah. So I want us to think about this as small business owners, as when, especially when we're doing planning, annual planning, which I think every business owner should do at a minimum, and then quarterly execution on that, is to apply some of these methodologies, some of these approaches to you know, you and your partner or the one or two key people on your teams that are going to come up with, where are we going next? Or what, are, how are we reinventing ourselves? Or if it is a team, a high performing team that you're leading, like maybe your sales team, and you want a new marketing plan and a new launch plan. So apply some of these methods, I think, to how you get a group of people together for a temporary or short period of time to collaborate creatively and come up with new ideas 
apply some of these techniques is what I think is one of the key takeaways for small business owners. Yeah. Yeah. And I love these 14 rules that uh, Kelly Johnson came up with, but I think the advantage of being a small company is you don't have a lot of people, right? So take advantage of the fact you are a small company. There's, there's a lot of disadvantages of being a small company, but the advantage is you can move quickly. You can change directions on a dime if you need to. So, you know, take advantage of the fact you're small. Yeah, great point. All right. So the other thing that has sparked this conversation for me is I recently watched the documentary on Disney Plus, The Beatles Get Back. Have you had a chance to watch that? I have not. And I'm yeah. going to try to watch it uh, if my Disney Plus subscription is still active. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's fascinating content. Uh, I, you know, I'm not a huge Beatles fan, but I, of course I respect them and I enjoy the music. But what I, the reason I started watching the documentary is I knew that would it would appeal to me to the point I made earlier about being fascinated by observing the creative process. And in this documentary, if nothing else, you watch there filmed before your eyes in the music arena, this creative dynamic that existed in that group, primarily uh, in my observation between Paul McCartney and John Lennon and that dynamic and how they produced magic. Again, whether you're a big fan of their music or not, doesn't matter. They were creating stuff that was at that time, certainly brilliant. And it's just fascinating to watch them do it. And what that tells us about bringing teams together. Now, mind you that this also leads to the point that I also want to talk about collaborative, highly collaborative teams, highly performing teams as they were, this was the last time. In fact, the, the documentary covers an impromptu concert that they did on the rooftop of the building that they were recording. And that was their last live performance period. So really? they broke up shortly thereafter, right? Yeah. Um, goes to show you that's rare. It's rare. You are some, there are some examples in, in the music industry, but certainly in business, what I have found and I want to get your thoughts, it's rare that high performing teams are going to last forever. They're, they're short lived. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would agree with that. I think it's that whole concept of lightning striking, right? It's it just strikes when the conditions are just right and it hits at a certain place and then you make magic for whatever period of time you make magic. And then, then it's over with, you know, and I think, you know, everybody was so disappointed when the Beatles broke up, you know, when you think about, football teams and dynasties, you know, they only last so long and then things change for whatever reason, the, the, the magic or the mix of the team can't quite get where they want to go. And yeah. so that's kind of the exciting thing about it. But, you know, I think, I think you bring up a good point. It doesn't last very long. And you wonder if there was conflict between the two people you talked about with the Beatles. I don't remember who the two was it. Paul McCartney and John Lennon. Well, the, yeah. and even in this documentary, to your point, I didn't, sorry to interrupt, there was there was the famous conflict where uh, George Harrison gets slighted uh, and feels left out and he, he momentarily quits. He leaves the recording sessions and a couple of days later, they, the rest of the, the, the band goes and convinces him to come back. So it's, yeah. it's, it's another great example of that happens in our business and work environments in the very same way when you have high performing teams working together. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you think about what made them great in the 19, you know, fifties and sixties when they were in Hamburg and playing, you know, five nights a week and learning, you know, the songs and the music and how to work together. 
I'm sure their attitude was a lot different back then. And when they were doing, you know, on the rise, their attitude was much different, but they probably get to a place where they think, okay, I now have made it, you know, I'm That's now, right. you know, all the success is attributed to me or, you know, it's, it's not attributed to them. And they, they, and the respect that they had for each other might've fizzled and, you know, now egos are getting involved. And, you know, I think that's kind of the, the life cycle of high-performing teams, unfortunately. Agreed. Agreed. One of the other ways I apply this, David, you and I have talked about this a lot, is like when you have a manager operating one of your locations or one of your businesses, I've always been realistic that that's not going to last forever. Right. Even the best performing manager, and we've seen this in various of our businesses. So you have to, you have to, as an owner, understand that that's simply the dynamic of it, that when you get that high performing team, a good manager with a good team and everybody's operating the way you want them to and executing, you have to realize that that is a, that's a thing that, that is going to dissipate a bit. And eventually you'll have to break that team up and reconstruct it. That's just the nature of it in my experience. Yeah. Yeah. And I would agree. And I think it's just human nature that says oh you know well the car wash is successful because of me not because of the owner and that's right the owner says well i was successful because of me and not because of the manager and you know i think i think it just it just happens i i really do believe it's human nature and i think it is magical when people are able to come together you know and the beatles in order for them to be successful their egos were somewhat checked right so they would take contributions from the other members of the band and, you know, listen to what they were playing. Oh, I like that. I like what you did. Let's incorporate that or here, listen to mine. And they liked what I was doing or whatever, you know, but eventually you start thinking, you know, Hey, this success is because of me or, you know, he's not pulling his weight or lots of different things can happen. Absolutely. Another thing that gets highlighted in this uh, documentary that's very interesting is the role that Yoko Ono was playing at that time. So she's there throughout the entire, uh, I think it's eight hours worth of content or whatever it is, six hours worth of content by John Lennon's side, mostly silent observing, but you know, she's in his ear, right? You just, mm -hmm. it's this new dynamic that gets inserted. And of course, historically and famously, people have blamed Yoko Ono for breaking up the Beatles. And I'm certainly not one of those believers. And in watching this, you realize there's, it's more complex than that, right? She didn't have that much power. But it is interesting, the point that it illustrates that I have come to learn and research about what also can break up a high performing team is an outside influence. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. in that case, it was somebody who got married, but in business it, it applies as well. And it has happened to me, David, where now the dynamics maybe of a partnership change because somebody gets divorced or somebody gets married or a girlfriend comes or a boyfriend comes in and then there's this dynamic. And so we have to be very careful to guard that and anticipate that as much as possible as business owners. What are your yeah, thoughts? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I would agree with that. You know, and, and it might have been that the Beatles are kind of at that tipping point anyway. And they Yoko were. Ono they were pushed them over. Exactly. You know? right. But it doesn't. It doesn't take much in in human nature for somebody to said, "Hey, you're doing such a great job. I you know no, nobody appreciates your efforts, and you know you're not getting paid enough money to do this or whatever." You know, you can let your ego run with that, and and then you start thinking, "I'm not." being taken care of like I need to be being taken care of. And that's the things that I think in that life cycle of, you know, of high performing teams that eventually break those teams up. Agreed. Agreed. All right. So continuing to talk about 
how how do you effectively lead high performing teams and this could be again in 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 your sales team and your production teams and your development teams or just in your management team there's all different areas where you can start thinking about where where does this apply where does it exist currently in my business where can i possibly foster it even if it's for a short period of time because i'm doing planning or development or whatever it might be we've touched on some of this but i want to kind of go through this list and get your thoughts Number one that I have on my list is what we talked about already, a clear vision and goals, alignments on that vision as to where we're going. That's critical. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's my number one thing that you would have for a high performing team is they got to have a vision. You know, I, I, I was thinking about when I was reading the skunk work document that you had, you know, going back to the Apollo space program, you think about there was hundreds of thousands of people working on that project and they all had the same vision of getting to the moon before the end of the century it was very clear what they were all doing and you know i think that's one of the most amazing things we've done as a country or even maybe as a as a as a race as a human you know race is sending man to the moon yeah. and it's amazing when you think about it we got that done in eight years amazing you know we went from nothing not not knowing anything about it to getting a man on the moon by 1969, but everybody had a very clear vision. And I think, you know, I think that is the number one thing. So, so, so such a great example, another, another incredible high performing team and collaborative creativity. And, and one of the things that I take from that that just popped into my head, David, as it comes to business is that sometimes we will keep people on our teams because they might be highly talented in one area or they they've been there forever or they they have a lot of knowledge but i but i want to challenge people to think about that if they're not in alignment then there's always going to be they're always going to be the one that creates this friction then that keeps and can erode others from working together collaboratively so yeah. that is critical. So the other thing I had, which kind of is related here is I think that high performing individuals and therefore high performing teams need to be clear for them what the rules are. How, how, how does this game supposed to be played? What, what is, what are the parameters here within which I can play? I think that clarity is important as well. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. And I think, you know, you start making those decisions as you were talking about, is the team more important or is the individual more important? If you're talking about a high performing team, you got to protect the team. You got to protect the organism of the team. And if you've got a bad egg in there, it's ruining the team. Yeah. And so, and if I you see want an so often to do it. Yeah, that's I see fine. so often. I see so often small business owners, David, sorry to interrupt, that, that will leave that person there because they're afraid of, well, gosh, if I get rid of henry then i have this huge gap and what am i going to do then you know even though he's a cancer I, I can't live without him and that's such a huge mistake that i see people make again and again yeah yeah and i would agree and i think i had a tipping point somewhere in my ownership where you know you had you have to protect the organization you have to protect the team and it's not about individuals it's about the group and if somebody's infecting the group in a way that's not healthy you need to get rid of that agreed all right, we've talked about trust and respect. The, the other uh, point that I thought was interesting, or, uh, another article that I'll, I will include a link to on the show notes page of this episode at thehowabusiness.com is from a Harvard Business Review article uh, entitled Collaborating with Creative Peers. And one quote that stood out from there, uh, and this term artists that gets used in this quote, it just applies to creativity or creative people. But quote, artists want to control how their ideas are generated, shaped, 
and executed. Yeah. Again, artists want to control how their ideas are generated, shaped, and executed. I thought that was interesting in understanding how high-performing, highly creative people want to operate. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And if you think about, you know, when you were saying that, I was thinking about the development of the iPhone, right? I mean, Steve Jobs gave him a big sandbox to play in, right? So he wasn't telling him necessarily or exactly how to, he would tell him when it was wrong. He was really good about <laughs> telling him when it didn't work or it wasn't what his vision was, but you got to give these people a very large sandbox so they can bounce around. You want to give them rules, right? And you want to give them a fence, but you got to give them, you got to give them the ability to do what it is they need to do to get it done. Yeah. Yeah. You going back to the, uh, to NASA and uh, which was the, which was the mission that got, that had the, that had the emergency and they had to bring them back. Apollo 13. 13, of course. Yeah. Um, you know, when, when they go into essentially a makeshift impromptu skunk corks to figure out how to make that work with these four or five, whatever it was, these elements that they had on board, right? The, right. That's an example. I take that away as an analogy of here are the rules. Now, other than that, there are no rules. That's right. That's right. And, and if you think about it, if NASA didn't have that environment to begin with, those guys couldn't have just jumped in there and done it. Right. Right. So exactly. it was a predetermined environment that, you know, the best of the best minds in the world got together to, to make this rocket go up, but also they were able to use the best of those minds to fix the problem. Yeah. So high performing individuals also, as we've touched on here, they want to make an impact. They, and, and of course, the ego comes into play. They want to be recognized for that, of course, but they want to make an impact. And so that's where you have to allow for that room for them to do so, both individually, but also collaboratively in these cases. They want to feel like they're, they're valued and that their, their opinions are heard. And so that's why, to your point, you have to then create a culture, an environment where you can do a skunk works and yours might only be a couple of days or a week or one day that we're going to go off site and collaborate on planning for the next quarter, whatever the scenario might be, or we're going to try to come up with what's our next product because now we're becoming ubiquitous in the marketplace. If yeah. your culture to your point doesn't support that, this is going to be hard to manifest. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you and I've worked in environments where we had managers, the, the good managers would always give the credit away. Yes. Right. So they, they, they understood they would bring Henry Lopez up on the stage and say, this guy was a rock star. This guy, you know, worked 36 hours in a row to get this deal. You know, he's a hero. They would make a hero out of you instead of taking credit as a manager. We, we've worked for managers that took the credit. We worked for managers that gave away the credit. And I think smart leaders, are the ones that are able to, you know, hey, I get the credit no matter what as the, as the manager, but I'm giving away my credit. I'm gonna let my team shine. I'm gonna stand them up on a podium and talk about how great they are. And, you know, and, and it's, it's fun to watch managers who get that. And it's pretty sad to watch managers that don't. Agreed. And I think we have to be honest with ourselves as business owners. Are, are, is that us? And, and perhaps maybe you're honest enough to realize, I don't know that that's going to be me, then you need to bring in a leader, a manager and let them foster that environment if that's what it takes. Right, right. Agreed. You know, and then I got to the point, I realized there were certain things I wasn't good at. I hired the right person, you know, Matt and Matt changed the whole environment and the whole culture because he was able to leverage his strengths 
within the organization for things I wasn't, wasn't good at. Excellent. Thanks for sharing that. So as we, as we start to wrap it up, I just want to come back one more time to the component of remote work and how that impacts creative collaborative creative collaborativity. Wow. I think that's a word. I butchered that. <laughs> we'll make it a word. Exactly. We'll make it a word now and, and high-performing teams. So I don't want to beat this to death, but it's such a, but such a, a an eminent topic here. And so I think as we touched on earlier, we're going to see a shift back to some kind of a hybrid. I'm already seeing, you know, if we look at corporations as a guide, I'm already seeing those high-performing corporations do a hybrid model where you are remote most of the time, but then we're scheduling time for meetings in particular when you're going to collaborate in person in the office. But what are your thoughts on what we're going to see here? Yeah, yeah, I, th I think you're right. And I think we've identified through this pandemic, we've really identified some things about the work environment that aren't healthy, right? Is it healthy for us to get up at 6am and drive 45 to 90 minutes to go to work, you know, back back and forth? I don't know. I mean, that's, you know, I think I think the workers have said that's too much, right? It 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 impacts my my overall life to get to the office all the time. So I get that side of it, and I think there is some exciting things about working from home that we need to we need to you know keep and consider. But I also think we, uh, we you know if we're working by ourselves, we eliminate that that ability to run into each other in the office, to turn around our chair, have a conversation with the guy in the next cube about an idea or a concept or a topic, and you know, I really hope we kind of get to that hybrid model. And I think employees will eventually get back to that. They're going to realize there's going to be a little bit of both. And I think it's going to make for a much more healthy work environment. Agreed. Agreed. So again, if this applies, obviously, if your small business is already virtual, or you have an online business or something like that, where you deliver a service where you are remote, and it's just something to think about it. And, and in particular, as you bring together teams for short periods of time to do a particular project that requires creativity, I would encourage thinking about bringing those people physically together. Yeah. Uh, you, even though, you know, people might, might fight that a little bit, but, but I think that's when it works best. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. And I think, you know, there might be certain jobs where you don't need to interface with people very often. You can interface on the phone, but if, if you're trying to build something, you've got to get people in the same space. All right. A couple other related uh, episodes that you might want to go back and listen to related to leadership. Most recently, I released episode 414 entitled Jump Seat Leadership for Entrepreneurs with Peter Docker. And, and the, one of the best lines from his interview is he says, leaders take a stand, not a position. So what do you stand for? What, what is it that you stand for? Not a, not a particular position because positions can shift, but a stand is who you are. It's what you're about. It's what your business is about. And I think that that plays very well into what we've talked about as to what it takes to lead and to foster highly creative, highly productive teams. Yep. Then episode 285, Developing Great Team Players for Your Small Business with Walt Brown. Walt and I on that episode just chatted about team players and developing teams. So a, a bit more about these dynamics of how do you foster that? How do you nurture that within your business? All right, we'll wrap it up. Is there any, uh, I'm going to wrap it up with a couple of key takeaways here, David, but as we've been talking, is there anything else that comes to mind to you as to how 
I apply this in a small business environment, how I, how I should be thinking about developing this, fostering this, encouraging it and, and supporting these collaborations that need to happen from time to time, perhaps. Yeah, you know, I think you have the advantage of being a small business, so you don't have the infrastructure that large corporations do. So make sure you take advantage of that, number one. Number two, you know, in this new endeavor that I'm starting after I sold my businesses, you know, I'm letting the team make the decisions. And it's really been fun to see them grow and think about how they do. And I, I just kind of, you know, bounce, we bounce ideas off each other, but, you know, I don't have to be the guy making all the choices and all the decisions anymore. And it's really great to watch people grow. So think about that. So think, think about hiring great people and let them run and let them, you know, blossom and flourish. It's a great point, but no doubt that comes from your maturation as a leader, your evolution as a leader, because the last point I want to talk about that, that is a challenge that I want people to think about is especially as small business owners, we have been traditionally the ones that come up with the great ideas, right? Yeah. The business might've been our idea, the product or solution might've been our idea. So often what happens with highly creative, high-performing people is we're generally much better at giving our ideas, sharing our ideas than taking them in. So right. to your point, what, what you've been able to do now is realize that, sure, you have you still have great ideas, but if we leverage others and we let them come together, coll collectively, we're going to have even better ideas. Agreed. Yeah, absolutely. And it's been a lot more fun, to be honest. <laughs> I imagine. Well, in yeah. part because the pressure isn't on you to come up with everything and to solve everything. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. All right. A couple of key takeaways in that I'll summarize and, and, and add to it as, as you wish as well. Uh, one is understand how collaborative creativity works. How does this magical thing works and foster it in your partnerships? So it, I typically I'm talking about, you know, like yours and mine's partnership in business in the business. And, and that's how you're going to achieve great things. So think about how you foster it. It's not realistic that you're going to have constantly creative collaboration. It doesn't work that way. That's to the point of it doesn't last long. And that's yeah. okay. That's just understand that that's a, an inherent dynamic of it or component of it. Yep. Yeah, and I would secondly, agree. Understand the complex, those complex dynamics of leading high performance teams and continuing to grow as a leader, as you just shared by example. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. And understand that sometimes, you know, there's a life cycle, you know, for, for these teams and a life cycle for partnerships sometimes too. And if your visions don't align anymore, sometimes it's time to, you know, end it. So it's not a bad thing if it doesn't, if it's not working anymore, it's just kind of at the end of its life cycle. Yeah, that's a perfect example of how it applies to partnerships. Absolutely. And I, I think you're so right to, to highlight that. So I just want to make a point that you're right that, that sometimes people struggle with that because they think, well, if I end this partnership, it's a failure. Well, not necessarily. It just, it's run its course. We did what we yeah. wanted to do together and now it's time to move on to something else. That's right. That's right. There's seasons for everything and there's seasons for partnerships and, you know, high-performing teams. So Well said. David, thanks for joining me on this conversation. I enjoyed it. I appreciate uh, your insights and thoughts on it. Yeah, it's always fun. Always fun to be on your podcast. Thanks for having me and I enjoyed it. To everybody, I wish you the best as you start and grow your successful and profitable small businesses. This is Henry Lopez and my co-host today again was David Begin. 
Thanks for joining us for this episode of The How of Business. I release new episodes every Monday morning, and you can find the show everywhere you listen to podcasts, including at my website, thehowofbusiness.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to The How of Business. For more information about our coaching programs, online courses, show notes pages, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofbusiness.com.